According to the Garrity Perception Survey, New Mexico's farm and ranch industry is among the most favored in New Mexico. 77% of New Mexico residents have a favorable impression of the farm and ranch industry. New Mexico is known for its green chili, dairy products, pistachios, pecans, and more. This is Tom Garrity with the Garrity Group Public Relations. Joining me today to provide more insight about the farm and ranch industry is the State of New Mexico Agriculture Secretary, Jeff Witte. Welcome, Secretary Witte, and thank you for your time today. Thank you, Tom, and happy to be here. Outstanding. Well, before we jump into the 2020 uh, GPS findings, will you be able to provide our viewers and listeners a little bit more insight about your background and the path to become the state's top advocate for the agriculture industry? Sure. You know, I, I grew up on a, on a ranch between Santa Fe and Las Vegas. It was a ranch that my grandfather had homesteaded back in 1921. Uh, it, it provided a great foundation for, for what I do today. Although I can tell you, this is not what I ever intended to do. I, I, I attended New Mexico State University with the sole purpose of becoming an agricultural banker. And one of my professors at the end of my bachelor's degree, he told me, he said, you would be a terrible banker. You need to go to grad school. So that's what I did. Uh, after grad school, uh, I worked for the university as a research specialist for another year, trying to, I, I guess we all try to find ourselves after we get through with, with the university, we never want to grow up. And then uh, uh, the dean of the college called me and he said, hey, there's an opening at Farm Bureau, New Mexico Farm and Livestock Bureau to be their government relations person. And I said, look, I don't even like politics or politicians. Why would I do that? Well, you need to go do that. So I just because I had so much respect for the dean, I went and interviewed with him and, and it took him about four and a half months to convince me to try it. And once I got to Santa Fe, I found out that politicians and politics, that's a TV phenomenon. The people that are involved in the political arena are people mm. and they're all about solving problems. And, and that, that really kind of, you know, made an impression on it. So, so my intent was to stay for six months, get them through the legislative session. I stayed for seven and a half years. Took a little break in between there. Governor Carruthers asked me to, to finish out a term at the State Public Service Commission. Back then it was an appointed uh, deal by the governor. Well, that really, I was 27 years old at the time, uh, that really gave me a taste of being a decision maker. And I figured out then that I liked decision making better than I liked influencing. <laughs> so, so yeah, I went back to the Farm Bureau after that little stint, and then the position of the Deputy Director Assistant, the Deputy Secretary position came open at the Department of Agriculture, and they, I was convinced to apply, and, and that was in 1994. Uh, I came to the New Mexico Department of Agriculture as the number two person. And since then, it's been all about, you know, creating opportunities for the young, that next generation to be in agriculture. And, and uh, in 2011, the, the secretary's position came open. I was convinced to apply and, and was ultimately selected. But I can tell you, if you're going to be a cabinet secretary, you want to be me. This is, by, for me, it's the greatest job ever uh, to be able to serve our citizens, but, but not only that, serve our farmers and ranchers. Uh, create those opportunities. Hopefully, that's that's what I hope to do. Is uh, at the end of the day, is create opportunities for that next generation. 
Yeah, I would think that when there's, you know, if cabinet secretaries, if you have your pick, you know, there's probably a handful of them that I think would go very fast, you know, economic development, oh. tourism, yeah. agriculture. <laughs> yes. Those would be the top three. Yes. With no disrespect oh, I mean, to any of the other cabinet secretaries, there it's a, it's a tough job from what I can see. That's being a cabinet secretary is is a challenge. It doesn't matter which one you're in, but there's some that are that are. I would say the challenge is more fun and opportunistic than others. I get to work with the greatest people in the state, the, mm -hmm. the farmers and ranchers, the people of the land. Uh, you know, we, we share the same values and the same vision and it, it's really fun. Well, you know, we kind of hinted at that at the beginning, you know, when we were uh, kind of alluding to the green chili, mozzarella cheese and other ag products. Uh, can you explain a little bit more and provide some insight about the farm and ranch industry in New Mexico? You know, New Mexico is one of those states, and, and when I'm giving a lot of my talks, I talk about we grow the plate. Uh, by that, I mean we grow everything that you can put on your plate. You, you, you look at the beef industry that we've got, the dairy, cheese, which creates our cheese and powder. Uh, you've got the um, enormous amount of produce, and a lot of people don't realize the amount of produce that we grow in the state, but, you know, we're the number one summer onion producing state in the nation. Uh, we grow a lot of lettuce and cabbage. Uh, we are growing now hemp. We've expanded into the hemp production era. Uh, and of course, our fam most famous crop is our chili production. And even though, you know, you see a lot of statistics that chili's down and all that, production still is pretty good. Everybody knows this for our salsas and, and whatnot, but you got cheese on the plate, you got ice cream, and then you cannot forget our spirits. And our, you know, we've got a great wine and uh, beer making industry that's growing. And New Mexico is the oldest wine region in the United States. A lot of people don't understand that. They think California or, or back east might be older. New Mexico is, is the oldest wine region in the U.S. And we've got some great wineries that are really bringing that back. That's fantastic. Well, that's true diversity as far as when you take a look at, you know, the many different products that are generated as a result of uh, the entities under your purview. I, I think that's fantastic. In fact, according to the 2020 Garrity Perception Survey, farm and ranch industry ranks second out of 17 industries and institutions finishing only behind small business, which a lot of uh, your businesses are, are small business. Um, you know, New Mexico... Yeah, go ahead. Oh, I was just curious, why in your opinion is the farm and ranch industry so favorable? Well, it, it, it's, it's one of those things, New Mexico is a small business state. Our ranchers and our farmers are in every community in the state of New Mexico. Even Los Alamos, if you look at the ag census, has a small farming and ranching sector, uh, farmers markets and that kind of thing. We touch people, agriculture touches people. Mm. And, and I think, People are, are appreciating, and, and what COVID did was really bring home the fact that local is really better. And our farmers and ranchers are involved in the community. They're, they're, they're active in every community across the state of New Mexico. Uh, people see the good stewardship of the, of the lands. There's a lot of connection to the land and the open space and that kind of thing, and they see the farmers and ranchers help maintain that. They appreciate the safest and most abundant and most affordable food in the world, right here in the United States, and New Mexico farmers and ranchers are, are a part of that. And, and I think in your poll, and, and I think Gallup has just released a, a poll as well, it, it validates that people appreciate the farming and ranching sector. They have a lot of confidence in them. And, and it's just, 
as I said earlier, it's the best people to work with. Well, the strongest support of the farm and ranch industry is actually found among those residents who live in the northwest and the eastern parts of the state. Can you break down the state for us geographically, for example, what parts of the state are more prone to ranching? Which parts will you see more of the farming? You bet. So, you know, basically farming follows the water. And if you look at the river valleys, uh, the Rio Grande, the Pecos, uh, that kind of, those areas, you're going to see the, the greatest farming sectors. You're, you're going to see farming in the Doniana uh, area, Luna, Chavez, Eddy, uh, predominantly. you got dry land farming over in Curry and Roosevelt, the east side of the state. And then up in the San Juan County, uh, Navajo, Napi, the Navajo Agricultural Production Industries is, is probably is the largest uh, farming area in the state and they they farm around 70 to 80,000 acres just within that one entity wow northern northern the north central part has got a lot of very small traditional farms really important for our culture is, is to look at the the farms in the northern north central new mexico rio riva taos santa fe uh mora in those those counties because they're they're using our oldest secures the oldest uh, governmental entities in, in New Mexico or the acequia uh, structure and where they deliver that water in the ditch system. Ranching tends to follow the more open spaces because, you know, where you don't have the farming water, the, the availability of water. So pretty much the northeast part of the state is, is probably our most prime ranch land. Mm -hmm. And then Pretty much any other sector that I hadn't mentioned so far is, is prone to ranching just because of the water issues. Water is probably the number one challenge we have in the state of New Mexico. So with that in mind, with water being the biggest challenge, um, you know, how, how, can farmer, how can farmers and ranchers kind of uh, get over that? Because, you know, there's, there's a perception that there is a limited supply of water. It's plentiful in, in certain areas, but not in others. Um, what are some of those challenges that ranchers are facing in addition to water? Well, when, when you, you've got, in the ranching side of, of New Mexico, you know, we, we depend on what the good Lord might send us in, the, in rain and snow. Uh, for, but there's other, other challenges the ranching sector has. Uh, number one, New Mexico, if you could have designed a state anywhere as far as land ownership patterns, you would have used New Mexico as the pattern. Uh, if you look at a land ownership pattern map, you've got private land, state land, federal land, and with the federal land, you got BLM, Bureau of Land Management land, and Forest Service land, all scattered, and then state land, all scattered amongst each other. We, we call it the checkerboard pattern. So it really provides a, a big challenge for a rancher to, to have an economic unit without having multiple land use uh, mechanisms. And so then when you have multiple land ownerships, you, you're subject to every kind of, just like dealing with many landlords. If, pretend if your house was owned by a multitude of people and each room was controlled by a different entity and you had to deal with a different set of rules and regulations for each room of your house. That's what a rancher has to deal with typically in the state of New Mexico. That's a challenge. They've overcome that challenge, but you still, it's a continual thing. There's continual uh, uh, pressures by each of the agencies because of multiple use, recreation, endangered species, and different things like that, that, that ranchers are having to deal with. Farmers don't necessarily have to deal with that because they, our farmers are very good, but they've been able to 
farm here in Doniana County, for example, you've got farms that, that grow onions or lettuce on one to two acres and do it very well. And then you've got, you go to the east side of the state and they may have a couple hundred acres in this field. That compares to thing, places like Iowa or Kansas or, or Nebraska or anywhere in the Midwest where you're talking tens of thousands of acres in a, in a field where you can get real economies. New Mexico is a small farm, small ranch state. Uh, so those are those are some of the challenges that, that we face on top of just the normal hope for rain and hope for a good snowpack. Um, so we talked a little bit about the problems. What do the solutions look like for the respective industries? You know, the easy solution is make it rain and make it snow. That would be really good. <laughs> but the other the other thing we're, we're at a I call it the transition point in in agriculture. Uh, not only are we transitioning to that next generation, New Mexico is the second oldest state in the nation agriculturally. Our producers are a little, little over 60 years of age and, and uh, older. But the transition is technological as well. And, and I don't mean just pure technology based on like genetically modified plants, things like that. I'm talking about mechanization. Mm -hmm. uh, the future of any agriculture is going to be the greater use of technology in, in what we're doing, whether it's farming or ranching. And it, the thing that's going to save our chili sector in the state is going to be it, the creation of, of mechanical chili harvesters so that we can, we, we're having big issues right now with labor to pick green chili in the field. If we could develop and invest in research to develop that green chili picking machine, uh, maybe modify some of the genetics a little bit so that you get uh, a plant that's doing a uniform uh, ripening of, of the fruit. That would help too with the me mechanization. In the, and also in the farming and ranching sector, the use of drone technology. Instead of uh, driving around a pasture for two or three days to, to look for your cattle, use that drone to be able to pick up the, the uh, ear tag transmitter to know where your cattle are and really help maybe maybe be able to read the breeding cycles and there's a number of things uh, those are things that are going to transform the the ranching and, and the farming sector you've got uh, better uses of water we're, we're we're in a state that is investing a lot in the research and maybe the opportunity to use some of the produced water from oil and gas for a certain uh, agricultural sectors, maybe on the rangeland, you know, the proof is be in the pudding down the road, but in a state with limited water, that could be the lifesaver mm -hmm. uh, to be able to use some of that kind of thing. Uh, so those are, those are some of the things we've got to look at uh, as we move forward. Very interesting. Um, you know, when you look at using technology and, but you know, on the, on the chili picker, uh, the, as far as automating that particular process, uh, why, what do you think, has it been research and development has been the number one reason why it hasn't uh, really kind of come through fruition yet? Yeah, so, so there's, there's a number of folks that are doing the research on the, on the chili picker. And here's been the challenge. Chili tends to ripen in stages. And mm -hmm. so you've got, so when you're hand picking, you can pick the first group that gets ripe and you've still got the second and third opportunity to come back in the field. What's happened with these mechanical harvesters is when they go in and pick, it more or less destroys the base plant yeah. for that first round. So you lose potentially two thirds of your next crop. 
of, mm -hmm. the, of the overall crop. So those are the things that they're trying to refine. And then as you get into the chili picking, you pull that off and then it gets into the destemming and further mechanization. Uh, I think they're close. They're getting closer all the time, but we're just not quite there yet. Yeah, it's a complicated process. I appreciate you uh, taking us on a deeper dive on that. Uh, in the economic environment, there's a lot of discussion about value-added agriculture. Uh, how viable is this particular market? So when we talk about solutions for the future, value-added is going to be huge for the state of New Mexico. The last ag census showed that only 6% of our producers direct marketed to the consumer. NMSG did a research study several years ago that showed that we exported 97% of what we produce out of state or out of country to add value. And then we re-imported over $4 billion back of, of that product to eat uh, and to consume in the state of New Mexico. There's a tremendous opportunity to expand our value-added production here in New Mexico. Things like we are the number one pecan industry in the state and in, in the nation. Uh, New Mexico is. That's at the farm gate. We have virtually no uh, value-added production. We don't. We send it to Georgia or Mexico or, or other play Texas to to add that value to get into candies and things like that. So there's an opportunity. Our beef producers. We have several small meat uh, processing facilities in the state of New Mexico. Most of our beef goes to Texas or, or other places to for finishing and, and processing, and then we bring it back to eat. Uh, we're finding through COVID that there's a lot of demand for locally grown beef. And so you're seeing, you're going to see several new meat processing facilities come into the state of New Mexico. Those are just little examples of things that where I think we can enhance. We can take what we're really good at. And the dairy folks really showed us how to do that. New Mexico is a top 10 dairy state in the nation. We have the largest cheese plant in the world. We have uh, one of the largest uh, uh, mozzarella type cheese plants in the, in the world here in, in the state of New Mexico. We're taking, we're taking grass and alfalfa and water, inserting that into a cow, making it into milk, turning it into cheese and powder and potentially ice cream and other products. It's not just creating alfalfa, it's taking it all the way to the finished product that gets on your sandwich or on your plate. That's what we've got to do with the other sectors. Great insight. So um, before we wrap up, I have two things, two questions for you. One, explain a little bit about the background. Uh, we, we chatted <laughs> a little bit about this before we started recording, and that's a real scene, isn't it? it that's, that is, uh, I guess, what I tell people is kind of, you could call it my backyard. I grew up on a ranch in northern New Mexico, and now I live in Las Cruces, and, and you just can't take the ranch out of the boy. And uh, I have a small pasture, so I, I uh, told my wife, we're going to get some small cows. So there's my little herd of, of Herefords. And uh, that's our, that's actually our, our baby calf that was born this year. And I've got a couple more coming in, in about a month. Uh, but it's fun. It's my point of relaxation. And it keeps me real. It, it, it also keeps me in the hay market and everything else too. <laughs> So you're also a user of the market that you're representing as well. Uh, I, I, I am. And you know what? I just, I just love it. My, my parents live around the corner and, you know, being lifetime ranchers, they, they love coming over here and, and uh, looking at the cows and just participating as well. That's wonderful. So I have to ask you your response to the official state question, red or green? <laughs> 
you know, it's a it's a day to day thing, but I'm a I'm an official Christmas aficionado. <laughs> I love green chili and I love red chili. Uh, I just I don't have a and it's not a political. I just love them both. And most of the time, uh, in fact, the last time we were at a restaurant uh, and I ordered that, it, it just it automatically comes out Christmas. So that's one of the things you touched on that I learned a couple of years ago is that you can do Christmas in Albuquerque North, but trying yes. to do Christmas south of Albuquerque, even south of Socorro, can be like taking your life into your own hands. <laughs> it, it really is. A lot of our restaurants down in the southern part of the state, they specialize in either red or green, and they're really good at it. And you, you, you make some of the orders with Christmas, and they kind of look at you cross-eyed. Yeah. And so then, then I go back to, okay, what's your best one today? And, and, you know, it's, uh, I'll tell you a little story. If we got a little, if we got a second, I was yeah, doing a, a, teaching a class in, in Los Angeles, California, several years ago. And, and the people in the class wanted to take me out to supper one night and they, uh, they recommended we go to this Mexican food restaurant and I'm thinking Mexican food in LA, I don't want anything, any part of it, but that was, you know, I was the only no vote. So we went. And we walked into the place and I look at the menu and they have chili spelled with an E. And I'm thinking, well, there's there's a chance. So I asked the waitress if she would bring me a sample of both her red and green. And now, mind you, when I go to restaurants and I ask for red and green, if I'm out of state, they don't, usually they don't even know what I'm talking about. Mm -hmm. She brought me a sample of both red and green. And I tasted it and I, I told her that green was probably as good a chili as I've ever had. Just bring me a plate whatever that comes on, bring me that plate. So she brought me that plate and it was fabulous. And I said, I need to talk to the chef. I've got to go back and talk to the chef. So they brought the chef out. Well, come to find out the chef had trained in all places, Santa Fe. Oh, wow. He brought Santa Fe to LA and, and I told him it was fabulous. So, so there's more and more, our chili, I was in a restaurant in Washington DC and they had a Southwestern burger on the menu. And it had chili spelled with an E and it said it was from Hatch and all that stuff. So I asked them for a sample and sure enough, it was, it was, you could, you can tell, right? You can tell the smell where it comes yeah. from. It was local. And then the owner came out to see what I was doing. And, and so we had a great conversation. Uh, our reach of New Mexico is expanding exponentially. Hmm. And, and people are loving our Southwestern New Mexico food and, and, I couldn't be happier because when, you know, pre-COVID, I was traveling a lot. So I could get a taste of home pretty much any place I went. <laughs> wow. Well, where can people learn? And thank you for sharing that. That's, those are good stories. Um, where can pe people learn more about the farm and ranch industry? So you can always go to our website at New Mexico Department of Agriculture. If you Google or, or whatever your search profile is, you type in New Mexico Department of Agriculture. We've got a lot of information. NMSU, New Mexico State University has a tremendous amount of well through the College of Agriculture and those are good places to, to go and then all of your producer organizations you know there's there's a it, it's just fun to do some searches and, and expand your horizons type in chili salsa uh, farmers markets uh, we've got so much to offer in the state of New Mexico it, I'm just it, I couldn't I can tell you it's just a great job for me to be here and promote our New Mexico agricultural economy and all of our producers State of New Mexico Agriculture Secretary Jeff Witte, thank you for your time today. Thank you. Enjoyed it. For more insights about the Garrity Perception Survey, visit GarrityPR.com.